Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today is the 10th of January, 2022, and on today's show, we go over TCU getting routed historically by Georgia, 65-7 to in the national championship game. Congratulations to the dogs. We'll break down what happened. What does it mean for the Big 12? What does it mean for TCU? A lot of talking points and things being bandied around right now. There's a whole lot to get to as it pertains to last night's national title. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for subscribing to the channel. If you all have not yet, please do. Uh, We are now above 300 or 3,000 subscribers. Help us get to 4,000. Please subscribe today. To all those of you out there who joined us on Twitter space last night, it was a lot of fun. The reason there was no post-game show was because, number one, TC lost, but also we were on that that Twitter space for a long time, so a lot of fun. If you want to get involved in those, make sure you guys follow me on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can also follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. I think I'll start doing those weekly so we can talk about some big picture stuff. We talked about some specific stuff, some big picture stuff. It's actually a pretty good conversation last night. So make sure you all find us on Twitter at LOBig12. And you guys can find me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you all get your podcasts. All right. So uh, last night, historic beating came TCU's way. Georgia Hammers TCU. In the national championship game, the final score was 65-7. to Georgia could basically score. uh, They did score whenever they wanted to. 32 first downs to just 9 for TCU. They were 9 for 13 on third down. They had 589 yards of offense. They got 12 yards per pass play, nearly 6 yards per rush play. They forced three turnovers. They had the ball for majority of the game. This was all one-way traffic. This Looked like a lot of the mismatches that we have talked about time in and time out when it comes to SEC teams versus maybe, you know, other competition. And sometimes the other competition can be in their league and sometimes the other competition is out of their league. Uh, TCU did some really awesome things against Michigan. They did put some, you know, put some stuff to bed about, oh, can certain teams compete on certain days against certain teams? Yes. But on the whole, the narratives about stars mattering, about talent mattering, all that stuff reigned true because Georgia got everything they wanted everywhere on the field. We knew the tight ends were going to be a huge problem for TCU. They were. And I I love to see the breakdown stuff, but it felt like Georgia knew that they could get everything they wanted outside the tackles. They did a great job blocking uh, a lot of yards after contact. And you even saw the first touchdown steps a bit outside the tackle. Just TCU, they, they seem they were the ones who were more confused on defense last night. They were the ones who were slower to react. Georgia were the ones who were, you know, really uh, they were the ones who were kind of punching first. And TCU gets that score to make it 10-7. You kind of think game on, but Georgia just really would not be denied um, on on this night, and and generally speaking. So let's go there with Georgia. Just a, a dynasty now. Uh, two national championships is very difficult to do. I'm, I forgot how many schools have done it. But Kirby, what he has built, if you look at the recruiting rankings, he's stacked great classes. He's got good coordinators. He's developed talent. And I thought the greatest trick that Nick Saban ever pulled 
was minimizing in some ways the importance of that quarterback position. I think he did that with Jacob Coker, right? Um, Jacob Coker as a, you know, as the quarterback on their championship team to me was always a really impressive feat because it, you know, that guy was not like this awesome quarterback, right? It's not really what we remember Jacob Coker for. And I'm not saying they minimize that. I think last year, especially they minimized that, but making this offense so good that all the trigger man Stetson Bennett has to, and look, he played an awesome game last night, but Stetson Bennett last year was not this excellent player this year. He got a lot better, but he did struggle in a bunch of games. It didn't matter though, because this team is so well-rounded, but there's so much talent and ability on this team that it is hard to mess it up. And that's why it made it so noticeable in the mind of Kirby smart. When he did mess it up, he is, he has been fantastic in big games. If you look at Stetson Bennett's resume and his record, like where are the games that he has really showed up in, uh, especially if you look at this season, well, he was really strong in their opener against Oregon, 25 at 31 for 368 and two scores. He ran for a touchdown uh, in that game. Also, the running part of his game is, you know, it's really underrated. Uh, you go and you look later on in the, in the Mizzou game, he play, ends up playing really well, but did not play well for most of that game. Then you go and you look, uh, that Tennessee game was 17 for 25 for 257, two scores, and then also one on the ground. Uh, you go and you look at the uh, the LSU game, fantastic in that one, 79% completion percentage, 274, four touchdowns in the air. Ohio State, he rallies, nearly throws for 400 yards, three touchdowns and runs for one. And then TCU, 18 for 25, 304, four scores in the air, two on the ground. The guy elevates, the guy really does elevate his game. Now, like the shot he'll get in the NFL, I've got no clue, but he started off as just like a quarterback in college became a very good college quarterback. And now is a great college quarterback. Um, that is the story of Stetson Bennett. And look, if you put Max Duggan on that team, the Georgia team, I'm sure he does very, very well, but that's not the case. Stetson Bennett's on that team. He had to work his way back there. He had to hold off as many five stars and, or take the job, I guess, in some cases from his, you know, four and fives and hold off four and fives his entire time that he was playing there. Right. That is, that is part of his story. And so that is on him for his leadership ability, for making guys believe in him, stuff that we talked about Max Duggan has, uh, and also for his quality of play. Stetson Bennett is a very good player, right? A lot of guys do all that offense. He really does, though, seem at times to get the most out of it. Kirby Smart has done a great job with this. And once again, they've not minimized it, but they've made it to where it's hard. I know, I know Dewan Mathis struggled, but like it's hard not to play well in that system. Uh, it's really difficult to be bad. I'm not saying that's, and once again, his job is super easy, but it's, it's difficult to, to, you know, to suck a quarterback at Georgia, but Stetson, like not only does he not suck. I mean, these big games, he is absolute nails for them. We saw it in the natty last year. We saw it in the natty this year. He's a guy you want the ball in his hands. Like that's just the way you, you want it. And so they were able to, to rip apart TCU's defense. They were better up front uh, from that standpoint, and then on defense too, they were faster and TCU is just making too many mistakes early on in this game. Very uncharacteristic. TCU looked intimidated and Georgia pounced. And when Georgia pounces, it can get very, very ugly. Um, the, the next part, and like, once again, Georgia, now the new standard in all of college football. Um, the next part of this, I want to get to on TCU side of things. I've seen this, this brought up is that would you rather be like, I saw Craig smoke tweeted it out and I like the guys over at Sikkim 365, 365 sports. 
But would you rather be like Baylor's season last year and beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl or what TC went through this year? And I want to, I've seen a lot of the, um, would you rather not go and not get crushed, right? Or would you rather go and get crushed? And I really think it's a ridiculous conversation to have. I think this will be like the one of maybe I'll, I'll talk about it with Robbie Triano the, uh, when we record, but we should not give any credence to that. Like I would much, much rather be a big 12 team in a national championship game. I would much rather see, um, you know, see my team in a national title game than not like Baylor last year lost a really ugly game to Oklahoma state. And they lost and in the, you know, they lost the Chandler Morris, I would call it the Chandler Morris yellow game where he came out of nowhere and just torched them. And uh, they end up winning the big 12 championship in the goal line. They end up winning the sugar bowl. That's sure. It's great. That's awesome. But TCU, their 13 and one was magical. You beat your rival in that game winning field goal. You don't win the big 12 championship, but you still get in the playoff. When you get in the playoff, you cash in. If TCU had gotten hammered in the playoff, then I would still say I'd rather have TCU season, but even, you know, that's more of a conversation there. But TCU did something that a Big 12 team has not done yet. Even the likes of Oklahoma, which we think is, you know, has uh, uh, kind of closed the gap to other schools more so, the talent and whatnot. Uh, TCU went and they beat a college ball playoff team. That Michigan team was not going to beat Georgia. I'll tell you that right now after, after what we just saw. And they went in there and they were more physical than a team for Michigan whose calling card was them being physical. And I've already seen the excuses about Jim Harbaugh looking for his next job and whatnot. I mean, that guy is a football coach. I know he's hunting and searching for his next job, but he wants to win. Everybody involved wants to win. Um, And TC goes and wins that game. Was last night embarrassing? Yeah, it was really embarrassing. Is it another loss you stack up for, you know, the Big 12, like for K-State against Alabama and, uh, you know, for Georgia, you know, against TCU? Yeah, sure. But. That's not, that's not a problem unique to TCU. It's not, it's just not their issue. Like it's a problem that is unique for a lot of schools. We saw, you know, Oregon went and got crushed for this Georgia team in week number one. They, they didn't have 10 days to prepare. They had an entire off season to prepare um, for, for, for Georgia. And they still got crushed. I know TCU got, got crushed worse on a bigger stage. But still, like this, this stuff does happen. There is a gap that we have to we have to meet. You know, think about it. As fun as Lincoln Riley and USC were this year, like guys, Tulane put up, you know, Tulane put up however many points on USC. Like Utah dragged them twice. Like there are these gaps that the problem is a lot. Like they would not close that gap either. USC would would be get would get absolutely just hammered by Georgia. They might score some more, right? Uh, than than TCU did, but they get absolutely hammered. And so this is not a problem unique to TCU. Like TCU, yeah, the loss was embarrassing. But if you're a TCU fan, like you should not feel embarrassed generally about your season. Any conversation about, hey, should Alabama be there? Well, win your, win your freaking games. Like yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to go and win, win your games. People were talking about Michigan in this unbelievable way after they beat Ohio State, right? They, they met Ohio State, who's got a lot of talent, a lot of guys who are physical. They met them. At the line of scrimmage, they pushed them around and they kicked their ass in their building. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by Built Bar. You guys can go to built.com today. It's built.com to find Built Bars. And also, they are now at Sands Club. We just got through the holidays. My goal has been to eat a little bit better for a while now and eat a little bit healthier 
If you're like me when you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, then you've got one thing you have to go for. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think that they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. They've got flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, and more. And also, they've got tons of protein as well. So you guys can find the variety packs, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run up there and grab yourself a 13-bar box today. Once again, built.com or at Sam's Club. You give them, you give that team weeks and weeks to prepare uh, for TCU, and TCU was the more prepared team. They, they were the faster team that day, and they were the more physical team that day. And then the rubber met the road, and TCU could not close the gap. But any idea like TCU should be embarrassed about how their season went, or I'd rather be a Baylor fan. Uh, you know, I'd rather have season X or season Y. Guys, this is the most successful season in modern Big Twelve history. This one right here, Oklahoma's champ. I mean, if you want to take the like modern, let's just go college football playoff era. This is the most successful Big 12 season that we have had uh, from a team. And it ends with two losses. They didn't win the Big 12 conference, They, but they did win a playoff game, which is something that had not been done before by, by a Big 12 team. This is the most successful season. They got all the way since the playoffs been, you know, been, come around. It's not happened yet. And what, what TCU did in that one game is they showed it's possible to a certain extent to a certain point. But when it's, when we take these games out of the, out of the week to week, like schedule, right? So Georgia struggles against um, Georgia struggles against Missouri and they struggle against Kentucky a little bit. And TC struggles against West Virginia and Michigan struggles against Illinois, right? Those all happen within the context of a season, like a week to week grind that you are on. When you take it out of that context and you put them in these spots and you put them in these neutral stadiums and you put them in these places, like the games have a different feel to them. And when you do that, I think the talent gap just feels like it gets more magnified because like it's, there's so much more pomp and circumstance, so much more discussion. There's so much more focus, right? Like the entire staff for Georgia is all focused on TC. There's nobody who's looking ahead. Nobody's scouting ahead. All the polos are on, you know, thinking about TCU, 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 same way for TCU against Georgia. But when that happens and you have a team like Georgia, it is easier to exploit your advantage. Georgia didn't, didn't have, there was no like super clear talent advantage either way. I thought in the Georgia Ohio state game. And I mean, composite overall, like Georgia, their defense is better than Ohio, than Ohio state's defense. Uh, I would say Ohio State's offense for most of that game with Howard Harrison was a little better. Obviously, they were on the third, like third string, fourth string running back too, right? So, I think that you know games like that, like there's not a huge gap, and the thing came down to the wire. We had a missed field goal that sent Georgia on their way. Um, that the fact that TCU beats Michigan, like TCU had to bridge a talent gap. Right. If you look over the last four years, like they're recruiting compared to Michigan's, Ohio State's, and Georgia's, you know, TC's not a bad recruiting school, but it is worse. And so that those gaps do get magnified, which makes once again TCU's performance against Michigan a bit more impressive. Then you apply to Georgia. And look, I thought TC would be close just because I hadn't seen him play a game that was, you know, uh, I, I, we hadn't seen him play a game that wasn't close. 
But with no Kendry Miller in there, and I, it's not a huge excuse, but like they couldn't run the ball physically downhill. They could, they don't have that punishing back, a guy who could kind of punch for them against UGA. That was a huge issue for TCU. They obviously could not run the ball physically the way they wanted to. They looked small. They looked outmatched. They were small. They were outmatched in that game. Um, which gets us to this next point of like, how do Big 12 teams bridge the gap between them and everybody else? And I think this is something that we're going to explore now in the coming seasons. And my and this is this is sad that I have to say this. And I think TCU is actually a school that could maybe break this mold eventually. I think there are not many schools that are going to be in the Big 12 that can bridge this talent gap when it comes to like a college ball playoff setting like we just saw. Um, it's just the truth. Like I think Kansas State's of the world. I think Iowa State's of the world. I think the BYU's of the world. I think the Oklahoma State's of the world. I think the Texas Tech's of the world. Like I think a lot of these schools are going to have a tough time closing those gaps. And it's not unique to them but because of where they're positioned and like what their great teams have to look like, like for Kansas state, their great teams, you know, are physical at the line of scrimmage. And uh, you know, they get players like Deuce Vaughn, who is an outlier and who is missed and they have, you know, good tight ends and they've got good special teams play and they play Alabama. And then the talent takes over and they get rolled and TCU does a lot of stuff really well. They take, take on a Georgia team and look, it's a dynasty type team. And they get rolled, but but those that, that's who's going to be in the championship games. Like guys, look at the last few recruiting classes that Alabama has had. Look at those recruiting classes. They they look like the ones that Georgia's putting together. Georgia, I think, was like first, second, fourth, and first. That's it's really hard to compete with on a given year. It's extremely difficult to compete with, and I don't think there's going to be many Big Twelve schools that can do it. I think TCU and Baylor could have shots at it. I think. Um, Houston, because of where they're located, once they get like deep into the Big 12, could have a shot at it. I think UCF, if they keep a guy like a Gus Malzahn because of where they're located, has a shot at it. But like they're going to have to recruit at an insanely high level. They're going to have to nail the transfer portal at an insanely high level. And it's all going to have to come together for them. Because right now, like guys, look at who's dominating. It is the SEC. It's dominating. Uh, you know, they, they are the best conference. There is no doubt about it. And it's tough whenever they play, like it feels like it's a, you know, almost a, almost a different sport sometimes. Um, you know, we saw it in the Kansas state game against Alabama. We saw it in the game last night and I, I don't have answers on how to close that gap. I, I really don't. I, I, I was talking to some of the folks who are Oklahoma state fans last night and like being like, you know, yeah, you gotta get the right guides, got to cultivate culture, but like, yeah, how far does that take you though? How far does culture take you? You know, Dabo Sweeney was able to pull it off at Clemson, which is absolutely remarkable. But Clemson wasn't like awful before, right? There's a pretty decent recruiting school. And they ended up getting the talent. And they ended up getting guys like, like generational guys like Trevor Lawrence and generational talents, the defensive line. Uh, Florida State was able to do it. It's a Florida school. It's why I pinpointed UCF. Like that stuff's, that stuff's possible. There are ways to do it. But does anybody look at any of the Big 12 schools and think, like, we're we're super close? TC was close. TC was on the edge. They were in the national championship game. And, and look, maybe if it's Ohio State, it's a bit of a different story, right? Uh, and maybe TCU does, is able to score more if that is the game. But it was against Georgia, and we thought it could be close because that's the way TCU plays, and they just got blown off the field, absolutely blown off the field in historic fashion. So I'm not saying the Big 12 doesn't matter. I'm not saying it's relevant. I'm just saying the big question is like, how do we bridge the gap now? That's the big question is, how can Big 12 schools figure out ways to bridge the gap between them 
And look, if you put it in the 60-minute setting, it's possible. It's doable. But you have to make it there through the full season to put yourself in position. Kansas State needed those losses to figure – maybe the Texas loss was, was superfluous because of the you know, Will Howard situation. Um, you want to see him playing earlier in the year. But, like, that team needed a lot of stuff to forge who they were to win the Big 12 championship, and they get smoked by Alabama. Smoked by Alabama. Right? TCU, uh, you know, forged by all these, uh, you know, close games and whatnot. They make it all the way to the end, and they get blown off the field by Georgia. You know, stars matter, guys. Ari Wasserman says this all the time. Like, th- this game is not a Disney movie. Uh, college football, Stetson Bennett stories may not be a Disney movie, but Jalen Carter is not a Disney movie. Uh, you know, all those guys, you know, Kyrus Jackson, uh, not a Disney movie there. Brock Bowers, not a Disney movie. Lad McConkey's three stars, so, you know, good for him. He's, he's, he's cooking. He was cooking last night. Right? But, like, all of that stuff. Um, Darnell Washington, all the guys up front who were, you know, felt slighted and not winning the Joe Moore Award, and they played a hell of a game for the Georgia Bulldogs. So all that stuff really matters. And I'm trying to figure out now, um, I'm trying to figure out now like what big 12 schools can do to close the gap and which ones can actually do it. You know, I'm not saying it was, I'm, and once again, like this is, this is the national championship game. This is the, the biggest stage. This is all, you know, this is the one game that we're focusing on. We're talking about like, Texas Tech football is still important. Kansas State football is still important. Oklahoma State football is still important. Iowa State football is still important. KU football is still important. How we got here is still important. But I'm talking about in settings like these, how do we close the gap? How do we close the gap? Because recruiting at the level that Big 12 schools are recruiting at right now is not not possible to close the gap, particularly to the SEC, particularly when it comes to speed. Right. Like the only reason Ohio State and I know you can beat them physically sometimes, but like the only reason Ohio State, uh, you know, was in a tight game with with Georgia is because they have the speed. They have the athletes on the outside to to make plays and a quarterback is going to be a top two guy. Right. They have all of those things. Now they get beat by Michigan, who is a both physical and talented team, not as talented but more physical team. So they have the right combination of both physicality and talent. But how does a team that does not make the blue chip ratio, once again, guys, the blue chip ratio is a majority of your roster is made up of four and five stars in the modern college football playoff era. No team that is outside of 50% for 50 plus percent. I should say four and five stars has won a national championship game. It has not happened yet. That's what makes TCU beating Michigan the outlier. So then it becomes, how does it happen? How does a team like, and this is not just Big 12, but like how do the Virginia Techs and the UVAs and the Maryland's and the Purdue's, these are even Big 10 schools, and the Missouri's and the Washington State's, the Oregon State's, uh, the Oregon's, right? You know, they recruited at a super high level. I think they, I'm not even sure they've been on the blue chip ratio recently. I know they, I think they've been at one point. But like, how do those schools eventually win? How do they do it? Because it's very, very difficult to do. My whole point here is do not take away from what TCU accomplished this season. Sure, it was an embarrassing loss, a very difficult loss for TCU. The season as a whole, though, not an embarrassment, right? Not an embarrassment at all. Uh, and this is a question that we're going to keep exploring more. 
Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel, leave your comments as well. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.